Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. All right, all right. Hey, if you could stand back up to your feet, stand back up to your feet. Let's show honor. Uh, I've got James Hensley here. Let's give him a New Life Church downtown welcome. Come on, James. Wow. Man, you guys know how to worship. It looks like you know the same Jesus that I know. How many of you know when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Your only response is what we just did. That's the only reasonable reason. I don't know how you can be in the presence of God and just be like, yeah. Double tap, because I like that one. I just I can't do that. I can do that when I'm in the bathroom. But I can't do that when I'm in his presence. There's nothing like his presence. Come on, worship team. Didn't they bring it this morning? Wow. Wow. Come on, grab your seats. It is so good to be with you guys. And you don't know me, but I know you. All right. You don't know me, but I know you because I've been praying for you and praying for your church. And you need to know I love your pastors. How many of you all love Bronson and Callie? How many of you just think, aren't they just I only met them last November. And when when I met them, it was like God just pinned in my heart that he and Bronson and I were going to be friends. We were going to be we were going to be connected. And and I'll, we've just been intentional about pursuing that relationship. And I don't know Callie quite as well, but I know that if that is the woman that he chose, oh, she must be something. And I've met her kids and she is a killer mom. And and just, man, I'm so grateful for these guys. And you just meet some people and they just give life. You know, you just they're always get, I meet you meet some people and they're just always taken. I avoid those kinds of people. Those aren't my kinds of people. But you meet some people like that. And then, man, come on. Pastor Rick, Pastor Michelle, what a phenomenal legacy for New Life Church. Like the Bazettes are like kingdom royalty. I live on the other side of the world. And you need to know, we know about y'all. We know about this church. We know about the legacy and what God is doing in your state. I love that Pastor Rick didn't just come to to, to plant a church. He came to take a state. He came to expand the kingdom of God in your area. And I just love that you guys just keep having new locations and doing God just expanding through you guys. It is so good. And uh, man, I'm just so blessed to be here with you. Uh, Some of you are wondering about this accent. Because you're like, he doesn't sound very Australian. <laughs> he doesn't sound very Australian. I, I must confess, I was actually born in California. Don't hold that against me. I was born in California. I did all my elementary school in, North, in, in California. And then when I was 15, my family relocated to North Carolina. And so I did all my high school years in North Carolina. And then when I was 20 years old, I met Jesus. Not religion, not churchianity. I met Jesus. And it changed everything. And I decided uh, in in that moment to go and do a mission in Australia. And and it was just a six-month mission. I didn't know anything about Australia. 
I was the most ignorant 21-year-old, you know, little white kid, didn't know nothing about nothing. And, you know, I thought everybody talked like Mick Dundee and rode kangaroos to school. Well, I got there and I found out both of those things are true. The kids saddle up their little kangaroos and ride them to school every morning. And even the women sound like Mick Dundee. And, um, but man, I, I didn't know that God was going to call me to Australia long term. It's been 22 years that I've been living there. And, it, you know, I was there for two years and then I met the most amazing woman. Like I had spent 21 years scouring the United States for the right woman. She just wasn't there. But when I got to Australia, a couple years in, I met her. Her name is Paula, and we have four amazing kids. I think we've got a photo. This is my family. This is my beautiful wife, Paula, and my four kids. This is Judah. He's very single. If there's any 15-year-old girls in the room, we can work it out. <laughs> this is my son, Joel. If you're, looking for, for, you know, if you're looking for a good time, just hang out with the kid in the red shirt. If you're looking to get out of jail or get out of trouble, hang out with the kid in the black shirt. He's... The, the, I've got, my boys are just so different. These are my daughters, Jemiah and Yana, and we are just so blessed. God has been so kind to us as a family, and uh, we currently pastor a church called Church Unlimited in Brisbane, Australia, and man, God has blown us up. In the last five years, God has taken us from about 50 people to about 700 on, on a weekend. And God has just, and, and we're seeing so many people say yes to Jesus and get water baptized and get filled with the Holy Ghost. And man, it's just been awesome watching people surrender their lives to say yes to Jesus. I'm telling you, there is no thing that I have ever done in my life that is greater than that. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you're here this morning and you might be new to church and you've never had that opportunity to, to actually invite him into your life. Don't worry, at the end of this meeting, I want to give you that opportunity because I remember being in your shoes and I know what it was like to not know the Lord. And I'm telling you, it's the greatest choice you could ever, ever make. And so at the moment, my family are in, in America on sabbatical. I've got my four kids. I've never brought my kids to America before. This is their first time. Uh, the airfares were 15 grand. So, you know, you probably only do that every 15 years. Um, you know, that's not an every kind of other, oh yeah, let's just go to America. You know, no, you don't do that. Right. And, uh, but this is, we, we've been serving the Lord and, and we just said, all right, this year, 2023 was the year we're going to go on sabbatical. And I reached out to pastor Bronson. I was like, Hey, I'm coming to the United States on vacation for six weeks. And he goes, you want to work for me? I was like, Yeah. Because I love church, and when you come to church, it ain't work. I just love being in the presence of God and talking about the Lord. And, man, it's just the best thing. And so I really am so honored that you would have me with you here today. I know you had no choice in the matter, but thanks for going with, it, with what Dad said. And um, are you ready for the word this morning? Come on, I want to share with you a scripture that has impacted me greatly. And let me tell you that before it impacted me, it confused me. Have you ever opened your word and gone, what, what did you mean by that? I open the word all the time. I'm, I'm studied. I, I've got Bible college. I've got all that. And I open his word all the time and I stop and I go, say what? And I opened his word to Jeremiah. This is a conversation between the prophet Jeremiah and God. And God's talking to Jeremiah and this is what it says. 
in Jeremiah 23. It says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in the secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. What a weird way to introduce yourself to a guy. Am I only a God who is nearby? Am I not also the God who is far away or far off? As I was reading this, I was like, I don't know what to do with that because the idea of a faraway God, I don't really like that. I like the idea that God is near, that he's close to me. Even Jesus was introduced to us as Emmanuel, God with us. What do you mean you're a God who is far off? I don't know if I like that because it messes with me. And I actually think God has given us some clear insight into who he is. We've been singing this morning about his presence. The thing you need to know about God's presence is it's, it's twofold. His, he, we've got his omnipresence, which surrounds us all the time. We were even singing this morning, let me become more aware of your presence. His presence is here with us all the time. I always love it when preachers say, yes, God is here. And I always go, yeah, I know. I brought him with me. <laughs> yeah, tell me something new, bro. I know. I know what he means, though. He's talking about the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is when you are in his glory. We see that the presence of the Holy Spirit was always with Jesus. When he was working miracles and doing signs and wonders and everything Jesus did was marked by the presence of God. But then you read often where Jesus would withdraw from the crowds. He would disconnect from the hustle and the bustle. And he would get away in the secret place. He would get away where it was just him and Father. Jesus knew the near God that was his very present help in time of need. But he also knew how to disconnect from all the commotion to go find the faraway God. And, and, and fill himself in the presence of the faraway God. The near God is where I invite him into my life. Jesus, help me. Save me. Find me. I'm lost, Lord. Help me. I'm hurting. Heal me, God. Provide for me, Lord. I'm broke. I'm broke in. Provide for me. Lord, let your goodness and your mercy follow me. But the faraway God? The faraway God is where he invites me into him. More than God fitting into my life and what I want, I go and find him on his terms and I fit into his ways of doing things. Far too often, we only know the near God. God, come right here and do what I want. But here's a question to you this morning. Do you know the faraway God where you go and find him 
and fit into what he wants. You know, I'm pretty convinced that we have turned, Western Christianity has turned God into our genie. You know, we're driving in a busy shopping center and there's no car parks anywhere. So what do we do? I need a car park, God. We rub the lamp. We rub the lamp to get him to pop up and grant my three wishes. God, I'm so lonely. I need a wife. God, I need the job. God, help me get the job. Oh. We, we love to call out to the near God. To come and do for us whatever we want. And as long as it's working... We're pretty good Christians. We show up at church. But what if? What if we could know God like Jesus did? Where it wasn't just in the hustle and bustle, but it was a bit of a, no, I'm going to come away and I'm going to find him on his terms. And I'm not going to, when you're talking to the near God, you know who does all the talking? I do. But when you get away with the far God, you know who does all the talking? He does. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way to the Father but through me. You know how often we pray, God, come down into my ways. God, come and help me with my truths. God, come and help me with my life. And what we do is we invite him into our ways and we invite him into our truths and we invite him into our lives instead of disconnecting to get into his ways and his truths and his life. Can I tell you right now, there is so much inside of this that I don't like. There is so much in here that I read that and I go, ooh, no. What do you mean give my money? No. What do you mean I have to do my sexuality your way? No. What do you mean I have to do my friendship? Forgive? Oh. Oh, no. You don't know what they've done to me. No, 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 no. But when I disconnect myself and I get into a place of surrender and I go and find the faraway God, I allow his ways. All right. I've been over there screwing up, doing it my way and trying to get you to come into that. But here I am right now over here and I yield and I surrender and I say, no, 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 no. Make your ways my ways. Teach me your truths, even if they offend what I think is true and right. Help me get beyond myself. It is so important that we learn how to find the faraway God. I love the writer of Hebrews who teaches us in Hebrews 11 verse 6. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, my grandma, my grandma Hazel, 
used to always carry a pocket of Werther's Originals in her pocket. Any of y'all's granny ever carry a pocket full of Werther's Original? And I remember being six and seven years old, hunting around the house for granny. I was like, where's grandma at? Oh, I think she's out in the gardens. Oh, well, I might go help her in the gardens. And so I would scurry around and try to find grandma out in the gardens. And there she was, tending to tomatoes. And, and I was like, grandma, these tomatoes are looking so lovely. And she would say, James, you're such a good boy. Would you like a Werther's original? I was like, well, grandma, only if you insist. I think we're like that with God. We show up. Oh, God, you look so great today. I mean, well, your, your presence is so, I mean, um, we love you. Oh, do you, do you want the job? And I love God because God's so much bigger than us, and he sees right through all of our stuff. Don't you love that God just sees through your stuff, and he loves you anyway? All of us in this room got stuff, myself included. But God sees through all our stuff, and because he's the God who is near, he's so kind to us, even when we come with our double motives. But, but I've learned in my life that when he says he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, he's not talking about the job, the girl, the house, the car. I've learned in my life after following Jesus for 23 years of my life that the reward is him. The reward is him. So many people come to me and they say, Pastor James, would you pray for me? Would you pray? We're believing God to get the house. We got to get the house. All the Joneses, they have the house, but we don't have the house. We got to get the house. Would you pray that we would get the house? And I say, for sure, let's pray and believe God for his goodness to, to help you buy property. Because I just believe God's heart for us is to be the head and not the tail. So we pray and we go, God, bless them, help them, provide for them, open the doors of favor for them. And before too long, we've seen so many people buy houses. In the last three years, we've seen 27 people in our church buy houses. But it's funny, because it's like the Johnsons. Haven't seen the Johnsons for a while at church. Oh, you know the Johnsons. They got their new house. And they've been working on the gardens, and they've been out doing the grass, and they've been building new fences, and they renovated the kitchen. And you know the Johnsons. They just got the new house. I see that far too often. Oh, oh, the Bryants. The Bryants will come to you and they say, Pastor, Pastor, we've been believing God for a miracle baby. We've been, believe we've been barren for 15 years, the Bryants are saying. We need a baby. Would you pray that God would provide for us? And so we pray and God blesses them and releases their miracle. And Hey, what happened to the Bryants? I haven't seen them in a while. Oh, you know the Bryants. They had their new baby. And, you know, church is too difficult with babies. And, you know, and I find that far too often the miracles that we pray for once we get them, God, heal my marriage. God, bring this breakthrough in my life. The moment we get them, the moment we get our Werther's original. I'm just back to my old self. When God's saying no. No. 
No, I am the rewarder of those who diligently seek me and my reward. It ain't stuff. If the Lord is your reward, you can be single and be okay. If the Lord is your reward, you don't have to buy the house to feel validated. If the Lord is your reward, you can work your job faithfully and you'll be all right. You don't need some other type of validation. His reward is not stuff. And Moses knew this. Moses knew this. Let me read to you this incredible passage. We all know through Scripture that that the Israelites were, were locked up in slavery in Egypt. For 400 years they were in slavery until God provided a deliverer named Moses that went would set them free. And they got delivered from Pharaoh. If you've ever seen the old movie Ten Commandments, that's pretty much the whole story. And they leave Egypt and they're in this wilderness. They're in this wasteland. And we know that this is just a holding space. Because God actually promises them a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? Go on. There's a, it's called the promised land. Go figure. And God says, come on, Moses, I want you to get up out of this wilderness season and go into the promised land. Can I read to you Moses' response? This response probably would not have been my response. But I read this and I go, oh. And God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how will it be known that your people have found grace in your sight except that you go with us? So we shall be separate your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. Do you know that God is telling Moses, I'm going to give you your promise. And Moses says, hey, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want it. Here's the promotion at work. Hey, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want it. Here's your spouse. Oh, Well, if your presence doesn't go into my marriage and we are equally yoked doing things your way, I don't want it. Here's the baby. Here's the promise. Here's the provision. Here's the house. Here's the car. Here's the stuff. And Moses is saying, hey, if you're not there, I'm not going. How many of us would be willing to look our promise in the eye and say, hey, Thanks, but no thanks. I want to be with the faraway God is. Because that is my sufficiency. When I am grounded in the presence of the faraway God, all the other stuff just falls into its rightful place. Come on, just I'm I'm, going to run out of time soon. But before I finish up, I want to share with you, how do we engage the faraway God? Because I'll tell you right now, 75 minutes once a week on a Sunday morning, it ain't going to get it done. It ain't going to get it done. It's like going to the gym once a week. Who goes to the gym once a week? 
Come on, I went to Doe's last night, and I'm telling you, in one meal, that woman made me fat. <laughs> I'm telling you, at about 5 p.m. yesterday, I think I was about 190 pounds. But today, after one meal at Doe's, it was the strawberry cake. It sure was not the T-bone. I'm telling you, I put on 30 pounds in one dinner. We, we've got to learn how to engage and how to, how to find God. And, 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 and one Sunday service a week just ain't going to get it done. This right here is just a pep talk. This right here is where the gym instructor goes, Come on, you maggot, you can do five more. <laughs> Although we don't talk like that in church because that's just weird. This guy would know. He's built like, man, look at him. Those arms. If I had arms like that, I wouldn't be wearing long sleeves. Do you wear a lot of tank tops? I would too. I'm just saying, hey, on behalf of humanity, thank you. Are you ready? Five ways we engage the faraway God. Number one, through intentionally seeking his manifest presence is available to everyone, but he invites us to seek. It says in Jeremiah 29, it says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. What's that? We're going to talk into the near God. You'll call to me, and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. Just so you know, the near God is so important. He says, but I'm not only a near God. He says, you will call upon me and you will pray and I will hear you. He cares about you. He cares about your sleepless nights. He cares about your worries. He cares about your job. He does. But then he says this, and then you will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Come on, have, have you ever searched for him with your whole heart? Not just your Sunday heart? Have you ever searched for him with all your being? It actually says that when you go and intentionally seek him, you'll find him. I remember being a, a mess. A terrible mess. My life was in disarray. Every area of my life was out of order. And I remember coming before the Lord going, Lord, here I am. I will be a seeker of you. And, and I'm telling you, I could have never imagined what I would find in seeking after him. Have you, I don't know if you've ever journeyed with the Lord very long, but when, when, you, when you go with God for a, a while... You stop and you look back and you go, man, I cannot believe how far I've come. What is God just keeps doing stuff in my life? And I just keep seeking him. In James 4, 8, it says he will draw unto me and I will draw unto you. Did you ever see that movie Hitch? You know, Hitch, the love doctor who tries to hook people up. Remember when he's teaching Albert Brenneman how to kiss? Do you all remember that? Do you remember that? He doesn't remember this. Are you married? You're not married. You need to go watch that movie. You'll learn a thing or two. <laughs> just saying. I mean, because you, you, you look good, bro. You, you probably got it going on. You just need some skills. 
So, so Hitch is the love doctor, and he's like, all right, this is what happens. Albert, you, 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 when you kiss Allegra Cole, he says you lean in 90%, and you wait for her to come back the other 10%. She knows. This girl, she's not, I've studied it. I wrote all the notes down. What, what a, I like that illustration because it's silly. But when you search for God with all your heart, what does it say? Draw unto me, and then I'll draw unto you. Do you know what God's looking for? God's just looking for your hungry heart. Would your whole heart search for him? Would you search for him all the time? Would your whole life be marked? Do you know that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells 500 followers, wait in Jerusalem. Don't depart from Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to pour out on you fire. How many people were in the upper room? 120. There was only 120 people willing to search with their whole heart. 380 people missed out on the upper room experience because they only wanted the near God. I think that's the state of Christianity. So many Christians only want the near God. They come and do what I... As long as Jesus is doing what I like, I'm good. But the moment he goes away and tells me to wait and be patient, well, I don't know about that. And I'm telling you, there is so much more for you on the other side of seeking the faraway God. Here's the second thing. You got to choose to live sacrificially. Pastor Bronson was talking about this. We've been singing about it all morning. How many of you love that old hymn, Lord, I surrender all? Wow. That is a banger. That is an awesome song. I don't know if you guys use that word banger. That, that's a good word for us. That might not be a good word for you guys. I don't know. Sometimes you say things and you forget the... I don't speak English. I speak Australian now. So, You know that in the Old Testament, the fire of God would fall down on the altar. The fire of God represented His presence that would come and consume the sacrifice. Well, Paul teaches us in Romans 12. He says, I beg you, brothers. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. Can I tell you right now, the life of a Christ follower is a life of continual surrender. A life of continual yielding. No, no, I like it like this, and I want my God to be like that. That's not Christianity. No, 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 no. I like to drink this and I like to eat that and I like sex like this and I like that. And so God, you come and do it the way I want. But that's not the life of Christianity. The life of Christianity is my whole life is a living sacrifice that all that I am is surrendered before the Lord. My money, my mindsets, my relationships, my sexuality, all that I am, I yield who I am 
for who he is. And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's so hard. Because I like what I like. And I think how I think. And I know that my ways are not like his ways. And far too often we invite him to come into our ways. These are my rights. Man, we've got so many fights right now in our world over my rights. My equality rights. My rights for this. My rights for that. Can I tell you, when, when you choose Jesus, I'm sorry to tell you, you choose to lay down your rights. I lay down my rights. I, I, I lay down who I think I am to embrace the new creation that he says I am. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, can I encourage you just to keep following? He'll help you. But when you lay down your ways and surrender and sacrifice who you think you are to embrace who he says you are, oh my gosh, it is the reward. When I lay down my rights, I draw the presence of the faraway God. When I surrender my dreams and my ambitions for what he has purposed in my heart. I was talking to your pastor yesterday and he was telling me that he used to be quite successful in the sales industry. And he was making some good money. And then God called him to the ministry. And it was like if you were watching a movie, there was a record scratch where it's like... And the Duke family made a decision to serve the Lord and follow God instead of pursuing all this other stuff. No wonder God's blessed them. No wonder God's working through your ministry because you've chosen to yield your dreams and your desires to embrace the Lord's desires for your life. Whenever I sacrifice my hurts and my offenses to forgive, I draw the presence of the faraway God. Whenever I serve others or operate in generosity, I draw the presence of the faraway God because then I'm making his ways my ways. Here's number three. Passionately praising releases the presence of God. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but there's a story of a man named David who loved God with all his heart. And David was the king of Israel. And the king of Israel... Was, was in love with God. He just loved God with all that he was. Until one day, where the presence of God, which was represented in the box in those days. It's, how many of you know God's not in the box anymore? Praise the Lord for that. But God was in the box in those days. And, and, and I'm just so convinced that we like to put God in the box because he's safe. I can do what I want out here because God's contained over there. But I'm telling you, Jesus broke that. And now God's not in a box no more, and so we got to get right with that. But, but, but this God was in a box, and they were moving God. This kind of sounds funny. It's like, was he dead in a coffin or what? God was in this, and they were moving the presence of God in this box. And a man named Uzzah reached out to touch that box, and he dropped dead. Can I tell you right now, sometimes engaging in the presence of God is scary because it kills things in my life. 
Every time I come into the presence of God, there are parts of my life that die. I, I decrease, I die, that he would increase. I'm crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son who loved me, and he gave himself up for me. But this man, Uzzah, touched a box, and he died. And David freaked out. I don't know if you've ever had a moment with God where God said something to you and it freaked you out. I've had a lot of those moments, like go to Australia, give up your whole life, say goodbye to mom and dad. Those moments have really freaked me out. And David said, well, I don't want this in my life no more. So he sent the box over to Obed-Edom's house. I know, what an unfortunate name. This guy's name was Obed-Edom. And it says that Obed-Edom's house started to be blessed and prosperous because he had the the presence of God was in his house. And David looked over at Obed's house and said, no, no, that's my blessing. And so it says that David went out to get the presence of the faraway God and bring it back home into his house. And it says that as he does it, he worships and he dances and he's praising God in such an extravagant way that his own wife starts to mock him. I think we come to church a lot and sometimes we get into the praise and the worship and we watch these guys go for it up here, but we like to sit back here with our arms folded, spectating. Oh, she's a bit pitchy. Oh, he played the wrong chord. Oh, the sound. What's wrong with the sound guy? Come on, guys, pull it together. And we come in and instead of engaging in the praise and engaging, man, they're doing their job, but we worship like fools out here. These guys are lifting up the praise, drawing the presence, but we're all, I haven't finished my coffee just yet. I'll get there in a second. <laughs> Can I tell you, when the praise is happening, don't ever be a spectator. I'm going to the Luke Combs concert next weekend. I can't wait, and I am not going to be a spectator. <laughs> I just will not. I love Luke Combs. When I come into the house of God, I cannot spectate in the house of God. i got to praise. And the Bible says that he is enthroned in the praises of his people, that when you praise, his presence comes. Can I tell you that God, uh, uh, we, we need to praise so many people think, oh, no, praise is for God. Can I tell you that that's not true? Praise is not for God. Praise is for me. God don't need my praise. God's not sitting around in heaven going, oh, I'm so insecure. Today's a terrible day. I feel so lousy. If only Marius would just praise me, then he'll pick me up. No. God's fine whether you praise or not. But you, you're not fine. You, you know, when you come into praise, who is changed? God or me? God's God whether I'm praising or not. I need to praise. I need to put my coffee down, put my hands in the air, and declare his goodness of God. I need that. 
God's not sitting around going, oh man, I'm just, oh, if only Bronson would just put some music on and sing to me today. I'm having a downer. God is always good. I need to praise. What happens when I praise? When I praise, I'm changed. And his presence comes. And it floods my heart. And it makes things that have been off right again. Come on, when you praise, you draw the presence of the faraway God. Here we go. My clock has not changed over. All right. Let's land this plane. I want to invite the worship team to come. I said five, but we'll only do four because I'm running out of time. I talk a lot. I got the gift of your pastor. An abundance of words. Number four, actively resting draws the presence of God. I often find that when I go to God, I do all the talking. I got a motor mouth. You're welcome. Sometimes we come into the presence of God to passionately praise and to declare him. But sometimes we need to come into the presence of God and just to be still. When was the last time you just sat with God and rested? When was the last time you shut your mouth and opened your ears? What your mama teach you? Two ears and one mouth. Twice the listening for the talking. Come on. When you get into the presence of God and you still and you just know there's a confidence that comes into your heart where you know that you're surrounded by his presence. Uh, Psalm 23 teaches us that he leads us to green pastures and he leads us beside the still waters and he restores our soul if you would just let him. Isaiah 40, 31 teaches us that those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength. Come on, when was the last time you waited on the Lord? We demand that he waits on us like a little waiter that goes around doing whatever we want. When was the last time you just stop and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for trying to fit you into my life. Here I am. I yield and surrender to fit into your life. Come on, would you stand to your feet? You and I were created by God for him. He created the heavens and the earth for us. But he created us for him. God wants you. He doesn't want your token worship on Sunday. He doesn't just want your 10% tithe. He wants your whole heart. Will you find the faraway God? Will you shift from inviting him into your life and, in, and actually position yourself in his life? Will you allow his ways to come and be your ways? Will you allow him to recondition your thinking to embrace the Christ life? David says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Moses says, I'm not going into the promised land if you're not coming. Come on, would this be, this is the mark. Moses says, how will people know 
that we belong to you if we're not marked with your presence. Come on, would you lift your hands? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you know each one of us individually. And even though we gathered corporately this morning, you see each one of us in our own place, in our own state. And God, you've got something to say to each one of us. You're calling all of us deeper. You're calling all of us deeper. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you have more for us. And God, we just say we want you. We want you. Lord, I'm sorry where I've sought you for the things. I'm sorry, God, where I have have come to you on my terms. God, we choose you on your terms. We choose you in your ways, God. We choose you above every other thing in the world. Nothing compares. We ask you right now, even as we sing, come on, I ask the team to lead us in this song. And even as we sing, I, I just come on, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. We make room for you in our hearts this morning.
talk about that for just a second? Because sometimes we don't even know what we're singing. It's just catchy. It's just catchy. Can I tell you that the, the words that you're singing are dangerous? Shake up the ground. Shake me up. Come, come get into the places of my heart that I've been hiding away from you and, and break that ground up. Here, here's what it says. Break down all my traditions. What are your traditions? What are your traditional ways of doing things? Anger? Uh, in my family line, we have a tradition of anger. We were just talking about this yesterday. I am traditionally an angry person. I know I look so sweet. But God's had to work on me. And so, I, God, I, I give you my traditions. What, what about rejection? Traditionally, I get rejected. But God, I give you permission to come and till that out of my life. Come and shake up the ground and remove any. What's your sexual traditions? Pornography? God, I give you permission to come. And Lord, materialism? Money? Watches and stuff? God, come and get my traditions. I give you my traditions. Okay, religion. Religion is every time I put God in a box and said, this is who I think you are. This is how you know God. You don't do that. You do it this way, God. That is the dumbest thing you could ever do. And so when I say break down my religion, it's break down my southern way of thinking. It's break down my Arkansas way of thinking. Break down my white way of thinking. Break down my Asian way of thinking. Break down my black way of thinking. I am not going to put God into a box for how he should be. God doesn't like white music or black music. God just likes all music as long as it's coming from a sincere place of heart. And so I'm not going to put you in tradition, whether you like traditional liturgies or you're a bit more of a casual person. I'm not putting God in no box. Break down my religions. Come on, one more time as the team just sing this over us. Come on, would you just allow him to just till up to, to break down your tradition. Come on, maybe you need to repent. Maybe you've been operating your traditions a little bit too much lately, and you need to just, I, I give you my tradition, my traditional way of this, my traditional, or maybe you've been doing religion a certain way. Come on, give him that this morning. Come on, we invite you, Holy Spirit, one more time. Search our heart, oh Lord. See if there is any unclean thing within me. We give it to you this morning. We say nothing but all of me. It's who I am. It's yours.
Come on, there's one more thing I want to do before I hand back to Pastor. I'm aware that there might be people in here this morning and, and you would say, James, I don't know Jesus. I don't know the presence of God like you're describing. Maybe you've tasted religion. I, I tasted religion as a kid and I was just like, I can't do that. That's not for me. And I went and rebelled so hard. But God in his kindness found me in my mess. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, James, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him the way you're describing him. Well, I would like to help you know him this morning. Because I just, I just don't believe that God brought you all the way here this morning just to hear a nice message and go home. He's now requiring, he's asking, hey, would you surrender your heart to me and would you say yes and invite me in? And so just before I hand back, I just wonder if there are people that would say, James, I need to pray. People say to me all the time, I'm so far away from God, my life is a mess. I say, that's not possible. You're actually only one prayer away from God. If you would just humble yourself and invite him in, oh man, he'll start to show you what he has shown me. And so maybe we could just bow our heads for a moment. Would you get honest with yourself? I'm pretty good at fooling. I'm pretty good at deceiving myself. Would you get honest with yourself just for a moment? Does he have your whole heart? Does he have it? Does he have your whole heart? If he doesn't, I want to pray with you right here and right now. Maybe, he, maybe you're a Sunday Christian. Maybe you wear a name Christian, but really you're not living like a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you've come today and you're like, gee, this is all new to me, but I'm going to give it a shot. If that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. And just so I know who I'm praying with, if that's you, would you give me a little wave? I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down. I see your hand. Come on, that's awesome. Two people right here saying, James, I need to pray. I need to invite God in. Come on, third guy right here. That's so good. Four, five over here. Come on, is there anybody else? Don't miss this moment. Six right there. Come on. Is there one more? I want to pray with you and then I'm going to hand back to pastor in just a second. One last time. Is there one more person that says, James, I need to be, I see your hand. That's so cool, bro. I like your shirt. Would you pray with me, church? The way that we do it at my church is what I call prayer karaoke. Because I don't know if you know how to pray, so I would like to help lead you in a prayer. Can you pray this from a sincere place in your heart? Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You proved it when you went to the cross and died for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Help me to know you and live for you all the days of my heart. Amen. Father, right now, for those people that have said yes, I thank you that you see them and you know them. You're not ashamed of them. Right now, I break the curse of shame off of every person. Your past does not define your future. The choices that you have made, God is not ashamed of you. He's calling you home, son. He's calling you home, daughter. He's calling you home. 
And right now, I just speak the peace that surpasses your understanding to come all over you and to start to guard your heart and to guard your mind. I speak protection over you right now in Jesus' name. That right now, the enemy will not come and steal the seed of faith that has been deposited right now into your spirit. I loose the presence of God to come and chase away all loneliness, all abandonment, all rejection. I speak right now the cleansing blood of Jesus to remove from you your sin as far as your east is from the west. And Lord, we just lean into your grace and your goodness this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you, little rock. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.